the question we're going to answer in this week's podcast is, what are the different roles that go into the experience design community, the experience design community of practice, and what tools, what technology do those roles use to get their work done? This is co-host Sam Stern, joined in studio as always by Jenny Wise. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Sam. And Jenny is not co-hosting today because she is speaking to us about some research she's been working on that is about how the role of the experienced designer and how you can set that role up for better success and make your organization more successful. I don't know if I've summarized this well or not, Jenny, but I think maybe as a starting point, can you tell us what an experienced designer is or does? Because I feel like it's a term I've heard thrown around a lot, but Mm -hmm. then I actually can kind of in my head imagine it being five or six different roles. And so I wonder what an experienced designer actually is or you know what different types of experienced designers are. Yeah, it's not as straightforward as it sounds. So experienced design is the definition and refinement of experiences based on brand visions and research-based customer understanding. That's when we think about experience design, right? Building these experiences for customers that are helpful to customers and relevant to the brand. And so when we think about who are experienced design professionals, the experienced design professionals are the people in the organization who help to define and refine these experiences based on the brand vision and that customer understanding. And so you are right to say that you can imagine several different roles because they exist in many pockets of the organization. Is it the case that a lot of companies are looking for these, the quote unquote, unicorns who can do it all? But in reality, there's a lot of different skills sort of bundled up in what goes into experience design? Yeah, so let's not get me started on the unicorn (laughs) (laughs) because I I don't like the unicorn. But yeah, so when... I was working on this this bit of research about experienced design professionals and sort of how to set them up for success and arm them with the right tools. That's something that we began to look at, right? So who is the experienced designer? Where in the organization do they fit? And it's not as straightforward as, you know, there's someone who is called an experienced designer as their title who sits in the CX organization. Or who sits in the experienced design office or anything, right? So so play that out. Great. I mean, I, I think let's keep going on this, that experienced design is a multidisciplinary topic and Mm -hmm. area, what are some of the roles that comprise experience design? Yeah. So we'll hear the roles. It could be something such as a product designer, a product manager. You may hear about a user researcher, information architect, visual designer, content strategist, UX, UI engineer. (laughs) Um, It can really be anything. Okay. And a lot of those roles, you know, it sounds like you'd get a product organization involved, a user experience organization Mm -hmm. involved. Are those maybe the two main departments where these people are found? Are there others? So when we're thinking about the different departments, it really runs the gamut. Um, It's going to vary depending on any individual company's sort of CX maturity um, and also just how they are organized. So in some cases, this experienced designer, maybe they're known with a UX title, will live within the engineering organization, right? In some cases, it might be someone who has a product title, who is responsible for a specific channel or experience. You may even find them within the marketing organization, too, if they're doing some customer understanding research there. And so they can be distributed. And I guess the reason why they're so distributed is because when we think about this experience design as a process, it spans that entire design process. Okay, so there really are lots of roles doing lots of different pieces of 
what, when you start to parse it out, is a lot of different skill sets and expertise areas and areas of focus, right? You know, more on brand or more on product or more on user research or more on design. And suddenly you are talking about very distinct roles. Right. What unites these people? What, what, I mean, you know, what holds this together? If they, you know, it seems like there's a version of an experienced design group of employees where the sum is greater than the parts because they collaborate and they know who they need to partner with on which parts of their jobs. And I can see another where there's maybe 50 or 60 people across an organization that could be labeled as experienced designers and they haven't met before at a large Mm -hmm. organization. Is that part of your research at all? Have you seen how, you know, firms get these different roles to work together well on the shared topic of experienced design? Yeah. So do they work together well or at all? Uh, is, <laughs> yeah, right. is not, Assumption built in that they yeah, do work right. together. Is it good or bad? Even right. do they work together? Yeah. Yeah. That's not always the case. I yeah. think that's something that we're seeing a movement towards in organizations as CX becomes more important and companies begin to invest more resources in CX improvement. Yeah. And often that's going to mean that they are hiring more people with an experienced design focus. But so your question of, right, so are they working together and, and does it make sense? When you begin to map them to the design process, right, there starts with the um, understanding of the customer, user research of the customer. And so you can imagine that someone who might have a user research title. But then when it gets to what is defining the problem for the user we're going to solve, that may also be that user researcher, right, what they've learned from that research that they did. The product manager may also come in, yes, right, and say... Okay. You know, we are launching this product. We've heard this from our customers. This is why we're trying to launch it. And so they'll be involved in that product or that problem definition step. Then it will move on to ideating what are some possible solutions that we could come up with. Again, you could see many different people in the organization (laughs) having ideas there. Some employees might have some ideas there. And then you get into prototyping, more typical visual designer, also under that experience design umbrella, and then sort of testing where you can get some people who maybe have more of an analytics slant um, or back to those user researchers. So it's cyclical, which is why, and sort of every step builds on on the previous one, which yeah. is why this is one umbrella. And that's why I asked about the collaboration pieces because, you know, it, it seems like it can build on the Mm -hmm. previous step if they're collaborating. But, you know, your example of the user experience researcher and the product manager, I think is such a good one because the product manager could be taking their cues from the user experience research to define in a really crisp way the problem statement that they should create products to solve or that Mm -hmm. they should tailor products or services to solve. Or they could just design products and try to back it into the user researcher or the user researchers going to them to implore them to look at the research and and know that their product is not going to hit the mark or is unlikely to, right? So they're in both cases, they're collaborating, but in very different ways and, and to probably with very different outcomes, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so with all of those people doing all of those different things that do ladder up or, you know, collectively is experienced design, are there tools, are there technologies, are there systems that help them work better, you know, as individuals, but also as a collective? Yes, so we set out to answer that question specifically in this report, especially because as this role, by whatever variation it is, is becoming more prominent, um, there's a lot of questions of how do we begin to scale this and share the learnings and 
you know, if we have designed something with our visual design team, how do we make sure that that is scaled up and our engineers can grab it, even if they're in all these different pockets of the organization, right. to build a consistent experience? So we said, okay, well, this will be easy, right? <laughs> we know our experienced designers and the tools that they use. And we ended up coming up with a list of 19 tools and technologies 19 that support this process. Wow. And that's at the high-level category. So, for example, we include prototyping tools. Yep, okay. But that would make you, sense to me. Yeah, that, that's clear. That makes sense. But there are many variations of prototyping tools. So we could see subcategories within there, right. such as some what that are What are you very, prototyping? Yeah, are they low fidelity? What experience are you prototyping for? What device is the outcome for it? And then within those different prototyping tools, some have collaboration features. Right? right. So you can really easily create something in prototype and send it off to development, and there will be some coding attached to it. <laughs> um, so it's a really complex landscape. But not only are there a lot of different technologies, but what is it that makes them important and do we differentiate? And that is the collaboration piece that you mentioned. Yeah, okay. So the collaboration piece is what really ends up separating the tools that work well for this role from from experienced designers, from those that, that aren't quite meeting their needs, or is that too simplistic? It's a little simplistic, yeah. but but okay. it's not necessarily wrong. Okay. So when we were looking at these different tools and technologies, many of them were created to fulfill sort of one specific niche, right? So there is the uh, researcher, we're going to give them a tool to conduct research and to look at the findings. And then we're not going to really facilitate yeah, sharing yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. right? Okay. The researcher's tool, first and foremost, obviously has to clear the bar of working for the research they need to do. Right. But if, if no thought has been given in the design of that tool to how that research would get shared, yeah. then it's, it's a failure. Right. Right. Okay. Similarly, with the prototyping tools, um, a visual designer would know how to use them very well and understand them, but then you would hand off the visual yeah. to someone in engineering or development who's also critical here, and they wouldn't know right. what to do with right. it, right? right. Or right. it wouldn't be that easy to share. So what we noticed in the landscape is that there are all these solutions to help with little pockets and little uh, steps along the design process, but increasingly they are adding collaboration capabilities, integration capabilities with other tool sets in the process oh, yes. so that it becomes okay. um, more streamlined. And you know we're expecting to see some, some consolidation as well going forward because the experience design technology stack has become a little crazy. So that makes sense. And, you know, especially if the tools get better at facilitating collaboration and integration, at some point they're reaching so far into the next right. category that the categories sort of merge. Right? Yep. If I think about, you know, some of the specific roles that we were talking about, a product manager, a user experience researcher, a designer, how many of these tool categories are they using on a regular basis? So at the title level, that's difficult to answer. I would say if, if the title is related to the step in the process at which they're involved, at any given step, there may be about six different tools to pick from. Oh, wow. And by the steps, I mean, you know, the steps in the design process. So empathize, step, the defined step, the idea. Yeah, so, step. okay, so let's, 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 go, let's drill down there on, on one example. In the empathize step, you say there's six different tools you might use. Can you give us the... The yeah. six, perhaps? Yeah. So some of the tools that we have that sort of fall under Empathize as their primary use case, but again, they can blur into sure. other ones. Sure, There are research recruitment platforms. Right, okay. There's exploratory qualitative research tools where you can gather you know, qualitative feedback from customers and make sense of it. There's a research online communities, research repositories. So once you have all this research, how do you make sure it's stored and accessible so yes. it can continue to be used and scale? There are qualitative analysis tools. There are 
are usability testing tools. And then there's also customer feedback collection tools. And then we also have some that scan the entire process, such as journey analytics platforms and journey mapping tools, where you can also derive insights into customer behaviors and pain points based on their customer journey metrics. Okay. So this quickly gets overwhelming in yeah. terms of complexity. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so seem, just a few. Yeah, just a few. Um, anything that stands out to you about the the landscape? Anything that you know was interesting or surprising for you as you did this research? Yeah. So there are a few things. The first is that experienced design professionals is an umbrella term. And when we're looking at the tools, it's interesting because many of them have been developed to appeal to one type of experienced designer. So the product yes. manager, the researcher, the person who knows analytics, the person who might be have more of an engineering slant, the visual designer. And so we have all of these tools that are needed across the process increasingly, right, um, has different stakeholders or types of experienced designers involved. And so we're going to have to see how they begin to change their tools, UIs and features to appeal to more types of experienced designers that might be using them. So more experienced design pros are entering the market with different types of backgrounds. The next is that activating the value is what's really hard. So back to your collaboration huh. point. So many of these existed in a silo. Yeah. So I would want to ideate and brainstorm all of these solutions using a design collaboration platform, like a, a digital whiteboard. Board, and then what would I do with it? We'd look <laughs> at it and that's great. And here's all these ideas. And then would we just sort of tell the visual designer to take it away in person? Uh, what would happen if they're in a different location? And so many of the tools as they are today can only go so far as a standalone tool, right? There's some handoff that needs to be made or additional tool that is then required to take the process to the next step. Mm. So there's almost tools to facilitate connections between tools? Or, or there increasingly yeah, needs to be. That's sort of one of the be. things that is lacking. Okay. And that so you this landscape isn't as coherent as it could be because of that. That's missing, the yeah. sort of connective tissue tool. Yes. You referenced journey analytics and journey mapping software tools as maybe one sort of emerging set of those connective tools. Is that fair to say? Yeah, so that will span the whole process. Another example is when we begin to look at sort of prototyping tools and how they're yeah. evolving. So along the design process, there's a lot of project management work that has to be done, right? Flagging different tasks to do and where they are in the process and who's responsible. And so if that product management tool isn't integrated with the tasks that are being completed in a prototyping tool, that creates a big hurdle, right? So we're yeah. beginning to <laughs> see these prototyping tools create these connections with that product management tool. Oh yeah, that's interesting because it's sort of a nested checklist within the project management is the steps in the prototype, yeah. right? Yeah, it's kind of like everything in this process is really nested. nested. Yeah. Right? Everything that happens yeah. in the first one has to be <laughs> nested within the second. And so how are they going to all be connected so that this doesn't become so convoluted? Right. Um, is sort of what we're, we're keeping an eye on. So experienced designers are nesting. That's uh, what we're seeing in terms yes. of the behavior. Okay, well, very interesting. So... Thank you, Jenny, for sharing that with us and uh, trying to bring order to the complexity that is the tools that experienced designers are using. Uh, listeners, we have posted a link to uh, Jenny's uh, research report uh, that is a beast uh, with 19 categories <laughs> of different tools and technology, but but I think um, a lot in there to explore for all the different roles that of experienced designers you have in your organization, what they need, what they need to be successful, and um, some thinking about how to connect the dots between those different categories of tools as more and more this becomes an end-to-end -end process uh, that firms are actually managing that way, which is a good thing. So we will talk to you all next week on CXCast. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.
If you have feedback or questions about this week's episode, please email us at cxcast, one word, at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perceptions is your customer experience reality.